This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass from Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones passes, and in the end zone, touchdown, Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my co-host, Nick Stevens. We're going to bring you a Thanksgiving week NFL podcast. Couple of great guests. We all the sides, all the fixings, everything you could hope for from the apps, the cocktails, the meal, the dessert, you name it. This one's got. This is a twelve-leg turducken of a podcast this coming at you. Bit, this is a big of a configuration. We are going to have none other than um, the Godfather himself, Gil Brandt, longtime Dallas Cowboys personnel executive and Pro Football Hall of Fame contributor, finalist for the class of 2019. You know his work also with NFL.com and NFL Media. Gil is truly one of the most authoritative and beloved figures in the game, not by only the people in the game itself, but the people who cover the game. Oh, I, I've told you time and again, one day when you walk into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, virtual Gil Brandt needs to greet you and be your guide. <laughs> the hologram. He yeah. is. Yeah, and we're also going to have Tom Waddle, former BC Eagle, and you know him as a Chicago Bear receiver from '89 to '94. Uh, Tom uh, was one of the—he was one of the most popular. He was just kind of that gritty little receiver that people mm-hmm. loved. Um, could take a hit, give a hit. Tom is um, going to be with us as well. He's—he's he's with Chicago ESPN 1000 as a daily talk show host. Waddle and Sylvie, and if you don't know, uh, married Gino Capoletti's daughter in addition to starring at BC. When they say, get out there and live that best life, BC star, played for the Bears, now has a daily sports talk show, and married New England Patriots, broadcast, and of course, player royalty. Pro football, or uh, uh, Patriots Hall Patriots of Fame Patriots Hall legend. of Famer, a legend. I really don't think you can live a better life than Tom Waddle That's does. That's some nice Boston ties, I it, re- it really is. And he's a, he's a great chat, and I'm excited for his perspective and take on the Bears, who continue to be one of the more compelling surprise teams of 2018. I don't think either of us really... No. We, um, we're not going to go back right now and like listen to the, our, our NFL picks. However, some teams that we'll mention momentarily were in our NFL picks and will be they. Uh, but the Bears are a pleasant surprise. Yeah, they absolutely are. Um, they've Up already, or down, they're interesting every week. They've already put a three-game and a four-game winning streak together. Um, obviously, they had their problems. They lost at Miami, and they lost that pa- that Patriots game, high-scoring game in Soldier Field. But um, let's be honest, they're they're in the driver's seat to win the NFC North. Their schedule's a lot easier than Minnesota or Green Bay. And um, that game, Sunday Night Football, they kind of – seize the division by the throat and I do not think they're going to let it go and they play obviously this right away Thursday in the first game mm-hmm. which um, is a brutal turnaround from Sunday night football to the early Thursday game and as a celebrant of what I think is the greatest American holiday Thanksgiving who looks forward to the football as much as I do the food and the nap and then the sandwich after all that <laughs> that's why the eight o'clock game is awesome I am so excited for this Thanksgiving because 
this is the first Thanksgiving I can remember in recent memory, maybe a while, where there is legitimate watchability and there's actual playoff juice. We got some juice in all three games. There's a reason to watch all three games other than they're on, and it helps me not talk to the relatives that showed up that I wasn't excited about. Right. I mean, there's there's not a, a truly horrible team on the schedule. Even the Lions and the Falcons, who I think are both 4-6, and six, maybe 4-7, and seven, um, the Lions just came off a, a big win over Carolina at home, and the Falcons are still very, highly watchable. They're They're kind of like a – um, a train wreck at times because they're gonna they're gonna score and they're gonna give up a ton of scores. But yeah, I agree. All three games are really should hold our attention. Uh, maybe the Saints will blow the Falcons out at home. But anyway, it's it's a it's a great day for football. I'm not sure how we survived pre 2006 when there was only two games. Can you? Believe I know it? only two games. I know, and not that we're gonna do a segment on favorite Thanksgiving football day memories, but. Um... I would be remiss if I didn't say happy six-year anniversary plus one day to the greatest moment in the history of Thanksgiving football, of course, the butt fumble. Oh, that's already six years. Huh? Right, can you believe six years of your life have passed? And since how the about butt that? He's back in the news. And he's back. Great he's, segue to uh, Mark what happened Sanchez to Sunday. signed yesterday as Washington's backup behind Colt McCoy after the gruesome and Theismann-esque broken lower leg Don did you see the anomalous statistics about that yeah all the similarities and I don't I don't mean just that it was the right leg and it was Washington it was unbelievable it was at the 40 yard line both cases same yard marker Romeo Crennel was on the the sideline of both right only two times only there's only been two three-time defensive player of the year winners it was Lawrence Taylor and J.J. Watt so he had that on the other sideline, same down marker, same final score, yes. a loss for the Redskins at home. No, a win for the Redskins in 85, 23-21. Oh, same final score. She and is. a loss. That was the only difference was the result. Right. Houston won this time 23-21. Otherwise, everything was the same. Now, if you're going to tell me that that doesn't mean there's a higher power in play or Bigfoot exists or the pyramids point towards the stars, I, then I don't know what the hell's going on. On top of that, I think Kennedy's secretary was named Lincoln and Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy. <laughs> Wait, I'm mixing something up there. Um, yeah, it was Nuts. eerie. eerie. Yeah. And Joe Theismann, of course, was in the house. Yeah. How, how, how weird is that? Right. Um, you cannot take that tiki doll anywhere. That is that is. That's at wild, the end of it all. you got to keep that. Wild, wacky home. stuff. But, no, we're going uh, to talk Thanksgiving football NFL memories with both Tom Waddle uh, and Gil Brandt a little later. But it almost feels like a true gluttonous feast. We get the Monday night game epic of from all time, just last, just hours ago, and now we're going to be right back watching football. Yep. Three games, uh, starting Thursday at twelve thirty Eastern. What did you gut reaction last night? I have to admit, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that game. I don't know that I'd want it every week, Mm-mm. but it was pretty mesmerizing uh, to watch that uh, mustard versus ketchup color scheme. <laughs> Go <laughs> right, at it. and of course uh, the kid, the ketchup kid. I uh, was playing catch up all night long too, and uh, <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was ahead. Uh, he was ahead for a little bit yeah. too, but there was a lot. I know more you ca- wanted to was, squeeze in the ketchup ca- joke. I just thought of that on the flag. So. Yeah, but too bad it wasn't in Heinz Field. Uh, oh, uh, actually, the ketchup kid uh, what didn't play catch up when he was in Heinz Field. No, he that was sort of like the big coming out party earlier this year for him. But we digress. I, I don't. I don't want to see that game every week either. I love points. I've played fantasy almost for two decades. Uh, 
Scoring makes the world go round. It makes fans flock to the television. And I'm not going to get into a, that's ah, not football the way I used to play it. My, that's not my grandfather's game. Yeah, sure, because we also aren't using leather helmets and we have heated seats in this dance and Wi-Fi. But it was a great watch. It was a great watch and I think set in motion not only the uh, maybe the best week of the NFL 2018 season, but kind of gave you, like, that's the real glimpse of the future. These, these Kansas City offenses, the McVay offenses, this sort of like uh, variations on the RPO, this is the way football is going. So get on board or, you know, go back and watch your Super Bowl DVDs in the NFL Network because I, I can appreciate, NFL films. I can appreciate a 13-10 game as well. I mm-hmm. can. Um, if it's captivating and, and compelling, you know, based on how the defense dominates. I understand why this game is going to do a monster rating because it was so many super, so many stars, so many young, exciting, fast, talented stars. And the Rams did this without Cooper Cup too. Yeah, they who did. Who I think is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I'll say this: it it was a kind of game that it had all this hype and then immediately lived up to it. I mean, there was no lull at all. I think nine minutes is the longest. Uh, lull in the game without without scores. a score, but and fourteen touchdowns, hundred and five. So uh, let's just do the quick stat run, the stat jamboree here. Fourteen touchdowns, which is one more than the <laughs> Bills have scored all season. Uh, hundred and five points, highest scoring Monday Night Football game ever, third highest scoring NFL game ever. Had a chance if one more touchdown was scored to have potentially, depending on the conversion, have tied the highest scoring NFL game in history. Uh, non-stop back and forth all night long. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was responsible for 500 yards of offense himself, also had one turnover for every 100 yards of offense yeah, as that, well. Three defensive touchdowns. That's That was crazy that they matched defensive touchdowns. They matched mix, missed extra points, right. which could have been crucial for one team. Uh-huh. Um, they just... You know, it was back and forth, and I think... And also first team in NFL history, Don, to score 50 points. And lose. And lose, like Brady, first quarterback to right. throw for 500 yards and lose. Right. Unreal. I mean, it was 10 points more than the, the highest-scoring Monday Night Football game, and I remember that game. It was uh, Washington, Green Bay, Lynn Dickey was a quarterback in 1983. I remember that game. John Riggins had a big big night, and that was 95 points, and this one blew mm-hmm. it out of the water by an extra 10 points. And if you were watching the game and had the sound up and were paying attention, I don't know what you think about the – you or the listener thinks about the Monday Night Football broadcast crew, but I will just now coin the phrase Tessa Torgasm because I think the entire game was literally just Joe Tessa Tor going, he- and look at this. He tried so hard to he- rise to the the – the moment and the the size of the game that I think he over over overshot it. Oh yeah, I mean Booger's so grateful he's on his little sideline cart, and Jason Witten's got to have like Bose quality noise canceling headphones or buds in his ears because that man is uh, unchained. Yeah, did you hear Witten? Uh, basically spoofed on himself with the rabbit out of the pull the rabbit out of the headline yeah. late late in the evening. That was pretty good. I'll give him props for at least making fun of himself there. But no, you great know watch. It was a ton of fun. Here, here's a here's a takeaway. I think Patrick Mahomes kind of lost the MVP last night. I do. I I believe five turnovers in that setting with Drew Brees still at oh, twenty five. What is Drew Brees doing? To what one is Drew Brees doing? I think we all have to say yeah. it's Drew Brees' to lose at this point. At this point? point, yes. Yeah, and I was Mahomes until last night, and 
I, I can't make that case anymore. Uh, a couple other takeaways from, from the week. I do think, sadly, Mahomes is unbelievable. Field Yates had a great tweet last night. He said, just out of respect for Mahomes' offensive ability, even though he's on a bye next week, I think I'm going to start him in my fantasy team because <laughs> the kid's potential is unreal. Uh, shame on me and everyone else who said that they weren't believers in the long term in Jared Goff. That kid throws a great deep ball. He, he really throws does. a. He might throw the best deep ball in the NFL right the, now. The game-winning touchdown was, was a perfect pass. Absolutely really perfect a, pass. It was a dime. That he put couldn't, and it wasn't even to one of his top three it was targets. Garrett, I believe, it was the Garrett? Wall Everson or something. Yeah, the backup tight end, just an absolute. no, no, the receiver down the right. Yeah, the sideline was that a that was I believe that was Garrett. I, okay. I think he was a uh, eighty one. I believe. Yeah, I mean, I he might be receiver. option four. I, he could have been the guy the, who who got a dime. spot because Cooper Cup right got hurt. Tom Brady throws that pass, and everyone is just, oh greatest of all time. Goff threw a hell of a ball. Drew Brees right now is having a season for the ages. And the New Orleans Saints are so clearly the Super Bowl front runner right now. It, it, it's been a while since we've had a Super Bowl front runner like this. Maybe not since like the say, the season when the Seahawks and the Broncos met up back in Super Bowl forty eight. There's a lot of people who believe. Oh, and the Colts are making the playoffs. I said it. Yeah, I agree too. I agree. I said There's it. a lot of people who believe that the Saints, minus the Minneapolis miracle, were going to beat the Eagles and would have beaten the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And, and then I, we would have finally gotten Breeze Brady, which we've all always wanted. And maybe that's why Sean Payton kept the <laughs> the hammer down Sunday, up 31 in the fourth quarter. Fourth and seven. Throwing. Kamara on a wheel route, and that also was a dime. He, he came out later and said, and I found this amusing, he said, you know, all it, all it takes is to be in one game in the fourth quarter with a 31-point lead and lose. That's never happened in the nope. history of football. No one has ever lost but his, in the fourth quarter – up 31. His fans also are the ones who continue. Patriots fans do not troll Falcons fans anymore. They don't bang the 28-3 drum. You know who does? Saints fans. Yeah. They're not going to forget leads. They're not going to forget rivalry. I love that. That's their rivalry. Uh, it is. Falcons-Saints. Yeah, it is. And that's why the Saints possibly going to this Super Bowl and winning in Atlanta yeah. would be an even bigger deal for them. Uh, yeah. Were you also... There's this whole thing, too, we were saying before the show about how the Patriots had a great week, the best bye week they could have had, had especially the Jaguars. Held on. Oh, Doug Marone. 16. Apparently, Doug Marone, 2018 season, never talked to Doug Marone January 2018. Third and five. Go for the RPO. If Bortles holds on to that ball and bootlegs to the left, first down, game over. There you go, Pittsburgh. Can I ask you what the Steelers were thinking on their last touchdown drive when they continued to throw the ball in the end zone. They got the call. I'll give uh, it was a good call, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of times those calls get missed when the the guy ripped his almost ripped his helmet off by the face. When Switzer mask. almost had his uh, had his helmet ripped off. Did also Mike Tomlin. Did you not talk to Mike Tomlin December 2017 right. when you did the fake clock it through it Eric Rowe knocked it up in the air and Harmon picked it off in Pittsburgh? Did no anything. one learn from they didn't anything? Learn anything. Uh Shocking Sunday. Uh, the t there's this whole thing, too, now with apparently teams play their metaphorical or actual Super Bowl against the Patriots. And then Mike Reese tweeted this out. All those teams have losing to horrible records going for it's like they just like ex give out all their life force. I mean, the Titans lost by f 35 points. I think in uh, Indianapolis, I think if you if you take the Eagles, yep. the last four teams that the Patriots have lost to. The Eagles, mm -hmm. the Jags, the Lions, and the Titans. Titans, they are eight and eighteen after playing 
Brutal. Uh, New England. So it, there is some veracity. They get up to a point because this is this is the biggest, you know, the biggest Super Bowl that's not a Super Bowl in the NFL to take down the Patriots. And then they find they don't have a lot left afterwards. Right. And there and that's a sign of respect. Yeah. That's what it is. It really is. <clears throat> and uh, I'm I'm amazed by what the Colts did. I think Frank Reich was the right call. I think we said that back during the winter when McDaniel's pulled out. And Frank Reich went there like, this is a perfect fit for them. NFL's a better place with Andrew Luck healthy, playing great football. They're a fun watch now. Uh, I, I think that's, I, that's a sneaky, streaky team right now. It is. And you know what? It hurt the Eagles. Now we're seeing how much it hurt the Eagles to lose Frank Reich. And, and I'll say his name wrong because I always do, John DeFilippo. Mm-hmm. Or Filippo. John DeFilippo, yeah. DeFilippo. Uh, he's the Vikings offensive coordinator. Those two losses... While people did notice them and say, yeah, but in Doug Peterson we trust, well, they've really hurt the uh, play calling and the creativity in Philadelphia. Uh, As the records continued to fall in an insane Week 11 in the NFL, first defending Super Bowl champion to lose by over 40 points. Yeah, that's brutal. Anyway, just to recap last night again, Chiefs-Rams, I want to know, first of all, I wanted to do an oral history as soon as that game was over, and then I want to see when the 30th. 30 for 30 right. is done because right. that game is going to uh, inspire one. All right. We want to uh, we want to bring in our first guest now. Um, he only had a bit of time for us this morning, but he's always a friend of the podcast. Uh, Gil Brandt, uh, the former Dallas Cowboy personnel executive. And our apologies uh, when we recorded the interview a few moments ago with Gil, who was gracious to give us a little time. There were a couple of uh, construction-oriented hiccups in the background. So If, uh, if you think you're listening and you have a – a headache like a jackhammer? No, it was just the jackhammer outside our studio door. So forgive us that uh, audio uh, inefficiency. And now Gil Brandt. Back now on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. As promised, Gil Brandt, our guest, our first guest today. You know Gil, longtime Dallas Cowboys personnel executive, and now a, a happy to uh, announce this, at now a contributor finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Congrats on that again, Gil, and um, thanks for taking a little time for us on the Cover 2 podcast this morning. Um, Real quick thoughts. Reaction to last night's epic 54-51 Rams over Chiefs Monday Night Football game. Well, I guess they'll be talking about it for a long time to come. Uh, You know, there'll be about 5,000 500,000 people that were at the game <laughs> as the story grows. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we, what, what's happened, uh, we've definitely become a passing, scoring league. And I think that uh, anybody that watched that game uh, will wait and see to watch it on the NFL Network again whenever they replay it this week. And we'll probably have a bigger rating on the network replay uh, than we had on the regular game. That's a good point. Good for football that offense is that plentiful. I mean, there were some great defensive plays made last night. I just don't know. It's certainly not the game that you and I grew up watching, but it is entertaining. Well, Don, let me say this to you. Uh, You know, Tex Fram and the competition committee back in 1977 realized uh, that you had to have scoring, and that's when they brought in the rules that you could use, extend your arms and pass protection. And we went from uh, a week one of 77, in which I think we had six teams that didn't score a touchdown uh, and about three more that always kicked the field goal uh, to uh, and one 300-yard passing game for the whole season. 
Uh, now uh, we have 10 300-yard passing games almost every week, uh, and I think that the uh, excitement has led to the fact that pro football in the National Football League is far and away uh, the most watched and talked about event that takes place in the United States and all over the world. With Gil Brand on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens, you know Gil's work as well with NFL Media, NFL.com. Gil, I wanted to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving week. I love Thanksgiving week football, and I love NFL football on Thanksgiving Day. You, of course, were in the middle of that tradition from 1966 until through 89 when after your last season with the Cowboys. Um, tell me what it's like and what your memories were of Thanksgiving. I always go back to the Clint Longley game in 1990 or in 1974 when uh, Longley, that unknown backup quarterback, took over for Staubach and led them to a comeback win over Washington. Any distinct memory that, that you'll always uh, think of every Thanksgiving? Well, Don, let me say this to you. In 1920, we had six Thanksgiving Day games. And I guess those people that started the league in that uh, car dealership were a lot smarter than the ones that were of us that were in the National Football League because it took us a long time to realize that uh, Thanksgiving Day was a family day and, and a viewing day. And, you know, our first game started in 1966. And for six consecutive years, uh, we won on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, and then finally, in 72, in, uh, uh, we lost. And, and they took the game away from us for a couple years uh, because it was felt that there was unfair advantage uh, because we were coming out of the bye week, uh, so to speak, of uh, 10 days between Thanksgiving and our next game. Uh, but I remember the Cleveland game uh, with a great deal of, of, uh, of memory simply because it was the largest crowd ever uh, to watch a football game in the state of Texas. It starts there. We beat Cleveland 26-14, to 14, uh, which was always a tough team for us. Uh, we beat the, we, the, the following year, we beat St. Louis, which was always a tough year, year for us. The following year, we beat Washington, if I remember correctly. And, and the league just kept growing and growing and growing. And, you know, when you have requests for tickets, the Thanksgiving Day game, no matter if it's <laughs> who it is, if it's Washington or the Chargers, or whoever may be, fell out. Is is it a tough day to play for the for the for the players, knowing that their celebration has to come that night? Or did that become a tradition in and of itself? You're going to basically have a, a, a Thanksgiving feast after the game. Well, I think most families uh, factored the time in, and and so it's like the like the Brandt household. Uh, we uh, we have our Thanksgiving. Uh, we get back from the game and have our turkey and dressing and green bean casserole and everything after the game. And uh, you know, now that we've added a third game, uh, which is a pretty good game between the Atlanta Falcons and the and the New Orleans Saints, uh, you can bet I'll be eating turkey and watching yeah. that game. Gil, this is uh, Don's co-host Nick Stevens here. You know, when we... Uh... When you think Thanksgiving, of course, and you're a football fan, the three F's, food, family, football, no better day. It's my favorite. I think it's everyone's favorite holiday. You think Detroit Lions, and, of course, you think Dallas Cowboys, who you have a great connection and a personal affinity for. So how about them Cowboys now, turning the page to what's going on in the NFL at this moment? The Eagles just got undressed to the tune of the worst beating by 
uh, defending Super Bowl champion ever. The Redskins suffering that awful Alex Smith injury, which could pretty much beset their season. I think we have a clear path for the Dallas Cowboys, and it seems like they're moving and trending in the right direction. How do you feel about their turnaround and their chances now in the NFC East? Well, let me say this first of all. Don't sell the Redskins short because Colt McCoy is pretty good. Uh, he hasn't played a lot, but boy, I'll tell you what, he's a good quarterback. And it just depends upon, uh, is he rusty? But if you remember uh, some years ago uh, on a Monday night, he beat the Cowboys in Dallas. Sure did. That's what he did. Uh, you know, this. Uh, you know, Philadelphia is probably out of it. Philadelphia's got so many injuries, and they're 4-5. and five. Uh, or, or four and six, I guess. It's really tough to come back. I think there's only three teams that have come back from four and six and, and made the playoffs. Uh, but I think that uh, what happens is, uh, historically, uh, teams that win the Super Bowl, and I guess it's with the exception of the New England Patriots, but uh, teams that win the Super Bowl or even finish second in the Super Bowl uh, come back and are not very good the next year. And it's, it's, it's because of the fact that, uh, you know, you played so late into the year, you have so little off time between the last game and the beginning of the off-season program, it makes it hard. And then the fact that uh, Wentz uh, uh, probably not playing as good as he did uh, a year ago, they don't have a running back, uh, you know, which is important, and, uh, and, they, and they traded for some speed at wide receiver, but uh, don't ever sell the Eagles short. But as I said, I think that they can be forgotten about. But I think the Cowboys have a very good chance. And, you know, if they win on Thanksgiving night, uh, they will now be the first-place team yeah. after two weeks ago uh, just being two-and-a-half games behind the Redskins. Gil, you've got to run. So last question. If the Cowboys do indeed win the NFC East, and I, I believe they will, and Jason Garrett has a home playoff game to prepare for, Two weeks ago, the NFL world all had him pretty much out the door. Do you believe the Cowboys have to win a playoff game to really secure Jason Garrett's future as a head coach, or do you believe a playoff berth would, would get it done in and of itself? Don, I, let me say this to you. Uh, I, I think you always ask yourself, who can I get that's better? And, and I'll tell you what, I think Jason Garrett is pretty darn good. Uh, you know, it's just like uh, we, we compare everything – uh, against Bill Belichick, who uh, you know is probably the greatest coach of all time, uh, but I think that uh, that uh, Garrett has done a good job, and and uh, it, it, it's a tough a tough when you don't have your leading player uh, last year for six games to come back after having a 13 and three year the year before. But that's the thing that makes this league so great, and that's the thing that makes it have opportunities for people like you and I. Uh, to relay our thoughts uh, to the American public. Gil Brandt has been our guest on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Check out his work on NFL Media, NFL.com. And again, Pro Football Hall of Fame contributor finalist, class of 2019. Gil, can't wait to see you pull on that orange, or that yellow jacket. It's been long, long awaited by all the people who um, appreciate you and, and you've helped over the years in this league. Thanks so much for being our guest this morning. And happy Thanksgiving to you. Like having the cranberry dressing on the table, you can't have a Thanksgiving football podcast without having the godfather of think, the NFL, Gilbert. I mean, he's just it's such a necessary component to any football Thanksgiving podcast. Think how many Thanksgiving Day games Gil has seen.
Uh, now, he did reference 1920 and there being six games. <laughs> he was not on hand for those. Right. Uh, but I bet he hasn't missed too many Thanksgiving Day games since, I don't know, the the 50s. You know what I appreciated? I gave him a chance. I kind of served him up a little bit of a, of a nice wheelhouse fastball there, saying the Cowboys could potentially have a clear path. With the way they're playing, that improved defense. Leighton Vanderesh, by the way, great football. Yeah. Uh, that kid's a, what a pick. He's Sean been Lee them. who? Exactly. Uh, well, they're better with Sean Lee as well, but Vanderesh is dynamite. And he paid respect to the said, don't count him out. Well, Colt, want, he likes Colt McCoy. He always he has. Yep. He's kind of, of a facsimile. He's almost a facsimile of Alex Smith in a lot of ways. And, and a little bit of Kirk Cousins yep. as well. well. half and half. He's a smart quarterback, and, and I remember, I'm, gl- I'm glad Gil brought it up, he, he did beat the Cowboys in a big game. So I, I, don't, I don't put this slam dunk. Now, I do think it's tough being the road team playing a division game on a short week sure. when your quarterback just had his leg snapped into mm. that's that's a tough thing to come back but you know Colt McCoy went in and threw two touchdown passes yeah on Sunday against Houston he moved the ball and I think he'll move the ball against Dallas but um yeah that's their division to to lose now and I know that sounds funny because they're five and five and Washington six and four um but they they've got it all ahead of them and we talked about them giving up too much money for Cooper but all I know is that you know, were it not for a, a bad pick in the end zone against the Titans, which I feel shifted momentum in that game, and then the way they've played the last couple, they're a better team since they got Amari Cooper. Yeah, they are. True. Just some, somehow that has actually—it's a lot to pay. It was a lot. It was a lot of shoreline equity they gave up, but can't argue with the results. I, I do wonder. I mean, let's be honest. Gil Gil was clearly—he's a, a Jason Garrett fan, but the entire league had him gone, gone, gone two weeks ago after they lost to Tennessee on Monday night. And here they are now in command of that division with a home win on Thursday against Washington. Um, it's scary it's how quickly position. things yeah. has changed. And can you fire Jason Garrett if he has a home playoff game, or do you have to win one at least? Mm, I don't know. If they if they turn around and win the division, you can't kill the clapper for that. Can't kill the clapper? Can't kill the clapper. He's done it before. He's won divisions. He just right. hasn't. They've never won more than one playoff game at a time in his reign, and right. maybe only one or two total. Who knows? I I could easily see them make the playoffs, win the win wild card weekend, and then go down for a good old gumbo sized waxing yep. in New Orleans. We'll oh, see. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And then um, obviously the other games we've got uh, Chicago at Detroit in the first game. We've got Atlanta and New Orleans, and we're going to talk to Tom Waddle now. Um, Former Bears receiver turned media member, now ESPN Chicago 1000, but also a Boston guy with great ties. Uh, went to BC, started BC, and married Gino Capaletti's daughter. Uh, we want to talk a little Bears because that game should not be overlooked, what they did to the Vikings Sunday night. Big win. Again, a team that we didn't see coming took command of a division. So let's um, let's talk to Tom Waddle now. Join now on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens, uh, one of our favorite guests, Tom Waddle, former Bears receiver, uh, now still in Chicago and uh, does a daily talk show on uh, ESPN Radio 1000 in Chicago, a longtime talk show host. Uh, Tom, welcome to the Cover 2 podcast, and uh, thanks for being with us on this Thanksgiving week. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. For those of you who don't remember, Tom's... Boston College career. He was uh, yes. a, was a standout in Chestnut Hill, and married 
the daughter of Gino Capaletti, the Patriots Hall of Famer. That's uh, that is proper Boston credentials right there. I was going to say that makes him regional that, royalty, as yeah, far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say that's my greatest accomplishment. It wasn't <laughs> that I graduated from Boston College with a finance degree or played in the National Football League for a bit. It was that I I, I married married Boston royalty or into Boston royalty, and proud to say that uh, married 27 years later with four beautiful daughters and couldn't be happier. That's outstanding. As we like to say in the game, you've outkicked your coverage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Um, sure, Tom. First of all, let's talk. I'm trying to get quick reaction of Gil Brandt, our last guest. Last night's game, epic in every way. Um, I'm not sure it was great for football to see 105 points scored, although there was some truly outstanding defense played in, in, in particular cases. Give me just your top-of-the-head gut reaction to uh, what you saw last night in the L.A. Coliseum, and if you think it's great for the game, not good for the game, or too much fun to turn away from. Well, I, I would say first and foremost, the biggest winner was the league, was the NFL, because as we've seen, the rules have changed over the course of time. The rules have evolved in such a way that that offense is is you know is the most important commodity in the game. Um, I think from that, I think mostly guys, it, it's you just have to like I find myself having to to kind of adjust. To what I'm seeing, you know, I'm, we're, I'm not used to this. We, I don't think we scored 50 points in a month when I was playing with the Bears. Now that may be an indictment on us as an offense, and not so much the time. But um, you know, I think the game has evolved, and um, you know, it's it, you want high scoring. You, you know, fans are. We live in this this video game era, I think now, where everything's got to be fast. It's got to be quick paced. It's got to be to one extreme or the other, and. Um, I don't think it's horrible for the game. Actually, I, I enjoyed watching it last night. I enjoyed, you know, the athletes that were on display on both sides. So I think it's 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 just a matter of of me as an individual consumer and someone who has spent a large portion of my life in the game, kind of evolving with where the NFL is headed. I think it's, welcome to the Big Twelve, right? I mean, we see this <laughs> every right. Saturday games like this. So. Um, I don't have a problem with it. Quite frankly, I, I, I was entertained for three-plus hours, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah, that's true. Hey, I, it, as a football fan, I know you appreciate I love seeing a big game under the lights at the L.A. Coliseum, which is just a historic, venerable uh, venue that's obviously not long for the NFL once again. Uh, curious, you played from 89 to 94 with Chicago. Did you have any games at the Coliseum, yep. either against the Raiders or the Rams? Uh, I played. Um, well, I played at BC. We played uh, USC. Oh, that's uh, right. Played there. I want to say my, my sophomore year, we ended up losing. I think Rodney Pete was the quarterback. I remember Marcus Cotton was one of their uh, very good defenders. Um, I, I, you know what? I'm trying to remember. I may have played in the NFL there, but I know for sure when I was at Boston College, uh, we played there. So, uh, yes, very. It's historic. It's. Um, you know, it's one of those memories that uh, is hard to forget based on all of the, the fantastic things that have happened in that building over the course of decades. Do most players appreciate um, a venue like that? And when I know it's not it doesn't have creature comforts, but um, when you play in a, a place that's seen so much and has experienced so many great uh, athletic and actually pulp pop culture um, events, yeah. do you have an appreciation for it as a player or you're just in the moment? 
Oh, no, I did. Uh, there's no question. I, I mean, you, you, you come out of the tunnel and you look up, especially as, you know, a 19, 20-year-old kid at that time as a, as a college student and, you know, coming from a small town in Ohio and you just kind of pinch yourself and ask you if you've died and gone to football heaven. I felt the same way in the NFL, though, is, uh, also. I, I always, as much as the Packers were our arch rival, um, I, I loved going to Lambeau because I understood the history of the, the field and the stadium and the game. And, you know, uh, playing at Soldier Field eight right. times every year was, was fantastic as well. So, yeah, I, we, I personally recognized the building that I was in and, and all of the, the great history attached to each of those places. It's the Thanksgiving Week Spectacular Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens, joined now by former Boston College Eagle, Chicago Bear, Tom Waddle. Tom, i got to say, pretty impressed with the turnaround. or I wouldn't even say turnaround because they've been good to surprisingly good all season long, but that was an impressive win Sunday for the Bears, and we expect the Bears' D to show up with teeth every Sunday, but I have to say, I was actually... Uh, QB impressed me. Uh, impressed me Sunday. I feel like maybe uh, maybe we're sleeping on the development that Matt Nagy has brought to him in the offense this season because that was a that was a heck of a performance. Yeah, I think more than and it really wasn't his best game. I think you can argue when when you know that's an elite defense or an elite caliber defense, at least an upper level defense that he faced against the Minnesota Vikings, and because their the Bears defense was was so dominant. Uh, the offense didn't have to do a ton. We've seen them do more against the Lions the week before and some of the other opponents that they really haven't had a lot of trouble with. Um, you know, I think, and I've talked to Don about this in the past with this Bears team, I think the most interesting and important commodity they have is the relationship with the young coach and the young quarterback. I, I You know, I've called them football soulmates. Um, you know, John Fox has an undeniable record as a head coach in the National Football League, and you know, he was dealt a, a pretty difficult hand. They were an injured team. They weren't a, a very talented team. Um, John's a friend of mine, but, you know, I think John would admit as well that what Mitchell needed was a guy like Matt Nagy. And um, it's probably been the, the, the best relationship that's been developed up at Hallis Hall in quite some time. The game, as we saw last night, has evolved. And if you've invested what the Bears have invested in Mitchell Trubisky, you want to make sure that all of your focus or the majority of your focus is on developing that guy. And, you know, they did him a ton of favors in the offseason, Ryan Pace, and I'm sure with the guidance of Matt Nagy, they added a ton of weapons in that huddle. They, they signed Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton and, and Allen Robinson. They drafted Anthony Miller. So significantly more talent in that offensive huddle, and they'll get after you. They'll, they'll, they'll win one-on-one battles. But by the same token, they'll also their their head coach will scheme guys open. So, um, I think the other dynamic they have here in Chicago that works really well is this Vic Fangio was kept on when they released John of his coaching duties. They kept Vic, and and there's been this seamless transition. And, and Matt is basically as a first time young head coach said, "Hey, Vic, as an accomplished veteran DC, you handle the defense, I'll handle the offense." And so far. Uh, you know, they're playing sweet football music up at Hallis Hall these days. It was really that rollout touchdown pass to Miller that was, yeah. I think, most impressive, too, because we know 
you know, I'm a Pats fan. I watched that game where he, you know, ran 70 yards to get the 30-some-odd yard scrambling touchdown earlier in the year. We know Trubisky can do it with his feet, and there's a lot to offer in this sort of like Kansas City Chief, uh, Andy Reid disciple, Matt Nagy offense. But when he rolled out and hit him with a dart, that's when I thought, all right, I think I've seen the next step, the next progression from Trubisky. And that, even though they didn't roll up a Kansas City-level score, that was an eye-opener to me for the rest of the NFL. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the play itself was, was so well-designed because it, as, as aggressive as the Vikings' front is, Matt looked at th- that, this game plan and said, look, we're going to get Mitchell out of the pocket. You, you know, at times, as an inexperienced young quarterback, he gets a little antsy and his feet get happy and he's not real comfortable in a pocket when guys are coming at him. But if I can get him out on the edge, there have you know, been several games when Mitchell has been more, more accurate on the run than he has been from the pocket. So I thought it was a great, a great game plan to get him away from some of the pressure that was coming. And um, look, at right now, that's part of their offensive repertoire. Mitchell's run for 25 first downs as a quarterback. He's the leading rusher at the quarterback position in the NFL, even more so than, than Cam Newton. So it's an element that has been beneficial to them. But as Steve Young told us on our radio show several weeks ago, ultimately you have to play the game from the pocket to be a champion. And you, you have to actually have to wring some of that tuck and run out of your system because ultimately you also expose yourself to some injury. So it's a delicate balance for both the quarterback and the coach to make sure you use his athletic ability, but you don't expose him to, to you know dangerous moments and and ultimately lose him for several games so it's a balance for sure with tom waddle on the cover two podcast you actually just jumped my next questions because i was going to ask you know in light of seeing baltimore give lamar jackson a mind-boggling 27 carries which does not seem to be a blueprint for long-term success in the nfl but it worked for one week against cincinnati i wanted to ask you if there was some concern that at this point when Trubisky's legs are so good, and he does, as Collinsworth pointed out, he runs like a running back. He has moves that that are running back-esque. Do you worry that he goes to that too quickly um, and, 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 and kind of bails out of the passing options because he knows what he can do and pick up yeah. eight or nine? Yeah, it's a great question, Dom, because it's a two-pronged problem. A, you're exposing yourself to injury. Which, I mean, is anytime you walk on the field, there's a chance you're going to get hurt. But also, yes, if, if you're quick to bail from the pocket, you, you may not be going through your reads and, and playing the quarterback position as efficiently as it needs to be played. So, that, like I said, it's a delicate balance. Look, he started 12 games last year. It's an entirely new offense this year with entirely new uh, components inside that offensive huddle. He's now started 10 games in this system. He stayed, played 13 games in college, so he's still an inexperienced quarterback, and these are some of the things that he's going to have to to learn to, you know, do I, do I break the pocket? Do I run now? Do I step up in the pocket? All a matter of experience for him. Ironically enough, on this topic, we found out yesterday, late in the day, that he's on the injury report. Shoulder. And had they practiced, uh, they won't. They didn't practice on Monday because of the, the Thanksgiving Day game. But had they practiced, he would not have been available. He's got a, an injury. We don't know the extent of the injury yet, and maybe it's just minor. 
but he's on the injury list this week with an injured right shoulder. So yeah, maybe the answer to the question of way, whether he should be tucking and running as frequently is, is in the process of being answered at their facility now. I do want to talk to you about the the upcoming game at the Lions because to me it's a quintessential Thanksgiving Day game to see Bears and Lions in Detroit. But very quickly, when we talked in Week 7 before the Bears-Patriots game, I remember asking you, you know, what is this team? Where's the ceiling? And you said it's not a Super Bowl team. That's not what this year's about. It's about getting a good foundation laid for the quarterback and the head coach together. They seemingly have done a lot of that work. But now, at 7-3, and three, they've had a three-game winning streak, a four-game winning streak with losses in between. I want to ask you, will the Bears fans and media – Anything less than a division title feel satisfactory because it's it's within reach. I mean, this is now, I believe, the Bears' division to win. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And, and um, look, I feel stronger about them in 2018 than I did back when we talked several weeks ago. Because we're still in the feeling out process and the passing the test process, and they passed a big test Sunday night against. Minnesota, and I agree with you, they, they are in control of the NFC North, and they basically have to have a meltdown not to get to the postseason. Even worst-case scenario, if they didn't win the division, if you look across the landscape of the NFC, they're going to be at the top of the list for wild-card contenders. So the expectation level has – I think the expectation level has risen, and rightfully so here in town, for this team to get to the postseason. I think we, we live in the moment, and maybe we should, in football more than other sports because – you can go last to first, and prolonged success, unless you're a Patriots fan, isn't promised to anyone. Ask the people in Philadelphia who right. won the Super Bowl last year, and this year they have a below 500 record. They've dealt with injuries, defections through free agency. It's it's that's what makes what the Patriots have done remarkable. Because getting to the top of the mountain is hard enough. Staying there is almost impossible in this league these days. So. I think expectation levels here in Chicago have risen, rightfully so. You know, you guys would appreciate it being in a great baseball town. If you look at this Bears team, I refer to them as the 2015 Cubs, where they're on the come and everybody, you know, is now recognizing them. Maybe they're a a year earlier or ahead of schedule. I had always thought 2019 was going to shape up as as a more special season, but these things happen quickly in this league. So, yeah, the answer, I guess, the long answer to the or the, the short answer to the long, long conversation is, is, yes, if they don't win the division and certainly don't get to the postseason, there will be some very unhappy Bears fans in, in this town. But just for fun, because, you know, otherwise, why why talk football? we got 38% <laughs> of the season left, Tom, and you, you saw two offenses. One put up just short of 50, could have put up more. Another one put up over 50. Uh the Rams and the Saints are unreal. Are the Bears maybe, let's say they make it to the playoffs, are are the Bears maybe with this defense one of the only teams that could maybe slow them down, keep up, and be competitive? Because otherwise we're looking at boat races, fantasy football scores, and Madden 19 with the defensive settings put off. Yeah, I think the Bears defense will keep them in games, but at the, at the end you're still going to have to score 30-plus to beat both of those teams. As I mean, the the... the I think the Saints went to Minnesota and won 30-20, to 20, and the Vikings had that game controlled in a lot of ways and then broke down with some turnovers. Um, but ultimately, even in a, in a game that wasn't Breeze-like, they scored 30 points. Their defense helped them out for sure with a pick six, but 
I think the Bears, certainly the defense will keep them in games against those two types of teams or those types of teams. I don't know if the offense is advanced enough because there's a very good chance at least a minor shootout may erupt in, in a game with the Rams. We'll find out. They, the, they play the Rams here in Chicago, I believe, in three weeks. So right. We'll see what, what they have. Um, that would be the ultimate test for this young quarterback. When, when If the defense has a bad day or you get into a bit of a, a shootout, can the quarterback put this team on his back and, and lead them um, to victory this early in his development? That's certainly the next step. We've seen what he can do on a number of fronts, and I think that's one of the, 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 the unanswered questions so far with Mitchell. If need be, against a really good opponent, can he take over a game? Can he we match scores? Night. They yeah. beat the Vikings with dominant defense, not so much an, uh, an electric offense. Tom, last thing, uh, and we'll let you go. You know, Nick and I, and I imagine you, we're all in love with Thanksgiving football, NFL football oh, yeah. on that day. Now, you, I looked it up last night, and I think I surprised you. <laughs> you played in two different Thanksgiving Day games, both in Detroit, just like the Bears will this uh, Thanksgiving as well. In uh, 91, the Lions beat the Bears 16-6. to However, you led the team with a eight-reception day, by far the highest. I believe Mr. Harbaugh was your quarterback that day. Yeah. And then yeah. two years later in 93, you got that assignment again, and um, the Bears came out on top 10-6. So it was Detroit 16-6 to in 91. 93. Again, you led the Bears, although there were only three receptions in, in the win. Um, can't remember exactly who was the quarterback. I think Mr. Ditka had run off. Harbaugh again, I believe. Was it Harbaugh? I thought he had been I, run I off think. by then. By uh... He may have been. Listen, my memory is absolutely That's all right. run off as well. So there's a chance it, it could have been somebody else. What was it like to play on that day against uh, in a traditional setting like Detroit, knowing you're kicking that ball off at, uh, at 12.30 Eastern time? Uh, it, it was truly, it was magical. I mean, there were a couple of things as a player that, that you really kind of relished aside from just being out there every, every chance you could get. And, and one was Monday night football. The other was playing on Thursday on Thanksgiving. Uh, you had the, the, the nation's attention. Um, it was tough. No one ever wanted to play Thursday games. I don't think guys want to play them now either because it, it look, your, your body, doesn't get back to normal probably until sometime Wednesday and you're already back at practice in a normal week here you're on a plane going to the going to Detroit so it's a really difficult travel schedule and, and physical uh, schedule but it, it it's so worth it to to play and then I remember we would all fly back the you know later in the day and we'd all gather as a group for Thanksgiving dinner with our families so uh, it was it's one of those things you grew up you know, thinking, hey, that'd be really cool if you could participate in one of those. Uh, like I said, Monday Night Football was one of them, and, and playing on Thursday was uh, was another one of those. It was another opportunity also to watch Barry Sanders do what he did. Right, so, right. Um, even as a as an opponent, it was it was fun being on the field with, with a great like that. By the way, I looked it up. You were correct. It was Jim Harbaugh both times as your quarterback. So you went one and one in Detroit uh, as a player. Um, quick. Not exactly a shootout, right? No, the ten, first score it was like sixteen six. to six, and then ten to six. Ten to six. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I bet we all kind of flipped that one off. Uh, you guys scored t- <laughs> ten in the second quarter, and then shut it down the rest of the day. But uh, that I don't was think a any turducken legs were passed out. No, no, <laughs> not team. many, not many. That was a yeah. Dave Wanstead coach team in '93. Yeah. Um, last thing, do you? I mean, 
do you like the Bears going into Detroit? Uh, they're coming off of a fairly big win against Carolina at home. They can be tough in that building. We saw them beat the Patriots in, yeah. in week three. Uh, we, we saw them um, play Seattle tough in that building. Um, and they beat somebody else, another glamour. Uh, Packers. Yeah, the exactly, Packers. the Packers. So they beat two Super Bowl QB head coach tandems in New England and yeah. Green Bay and couldn't beat a third in Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. But your assessment of this game? Yeah, I, I would like the Bears to win this game. Um, for the reasons you mentioned, yes, this isn't going to be a walk, I don't believe. Uh, the Packers, or the, excuse me, the Lions, for whatever reason, but not for whatever reason, most teams play better at home than they do on the road. But um, the short turnaround, this is the shortest turnaround in the history of the game as well because the Bears are coming from a Sunday night game to play the early game Brutal. on Thursday. So the league didn't do them any favors. Um, but, look, the, the, the Lions struggle to protect Stafford at times. They're without carry-on Johnson, their best, their best running back. They traded their best receiver to Philadelphia several weeks ago. Their second-best receiver, Marvin Jones is probably also going to be out. This is a young Bears team. They don't have a starter on anywhere on uh, on either side of the ball that's 30 or older. I saw that stat. Uh, that's an amazing stat, isn't it's it? It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, so they're young. They're enthusiastic. They've got a ton of momentum. They've won four in a row. They're not a team. They're well coached. They're prepared. They're not going to look past the lines, I don't believe. Um, but it is an, it is a significant challenge physically for them to do what they did. I think it'll be a closer game than it was here a few weeks ago when the Lions were in town, but I would still ride with the Bears in this one. All right. Tom Waddle has been our guest on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Tom, thanks so much. Former BC Eagle, former Chicago Bear receiver, and you can hear him on Chicago ESPN uh, 1000 with Sylvie, I believe, is your, is your longtime yep. partner, correct? Waddle and that Sylvie? correct. All right. Yes, Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000, 2 to 6 Central 10. And you guys uh, have a, a, a happy Thanksgiving, and thank you. Uh, I'm honored to have joined you guys. Thank today. you, Tom. Thanks for all the time. We took more than we uh, said we would. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family as well. Thanks again for being on the cover, too. Thank you. Thank Take you. Care. Take care, Tom. I'm now officially moving Tom Waddle into the Gold Club, the VIP room of preferred favorite guests on the Cover 2 podcast. Great guy, great chat, great perspective. And Waddle's just a fun name to say. I sure. Mean, Tom Waddle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember when he played, and he was just one of those guys. You knew he was going to get into the media, and you knew he was going to be good at it. Um, you know, it's funny, though. We look at the Thanksgiving Day schedule, and as we've said, we've got three good games. There's probably only three more good games mm -hmm. on the rest of Week right. 12. Um, That's I, why it's good that we have a good Thanksgiving because exactly. Sunday. This is this is far from the NFL's marquee, but come on, you got to expect a little bit of a come down, a little hangover following an awesome Week 11 with the best Monday Night Football game in recent memory. Yeah, the, the first game, Seattle to Carolina, and we didn't even touch on this, but right. what do you think of Ron Rivera? I did not like the two point conversion. Yes. Cam Newton missed the throw, or right. we're or we're toasting him, but didn't like it. Too much time left. A minute seven. Play defense. Take it to overtime if you have to. This seems to be the season of the controversial two. Like that's going to be when we go down. Like, what do you remember about the twenty eighteen season? Mike Grable like, did it yep. in London against the Chargers. Yep. It was a great college game the other day. Almost Maryland almost upset Ohio State. Yep. The Maryland coach did it in double mm -hmm. overtime and again lost. All right. three big high profile. Roll of the dice lost right. in this case. 
That's uh, that'll be one of those stories. But this is now as the the people are st- now starting to follow the whole idea of like, well, the book says you got to do this. Eventually, maybe we'll see people start going for it on fourth down more too. You got to know the situation. Right. And the, the analytics, I get. Um, that's playing the odds, but you also have to know the situation. And I think in this case, it wasn't last play of the game. You were still going to give Detroit three timeouts and a minute seven to score and beat you. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't like it. If he'd have come out, if Rivera would have come out and said, you know, Graham Gano, my kicker, missed an extra point and a thirty-yard field goal earlier, and yeah. I just didn't trust him. I'm buying that more than oh, it's on the road, so we had to go for it. I don't. I don't, I, I don't so. like that. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't. I don't buy that. No. At all. Uh, your picks uh, Thursday, real quick. Uh, I like obviously I like the Bears over the Lions. I do too. Uh, I'm going Dallas over Washington. Squeaker. Yes. Squeaker. But they'll find a way. Yep. And I think New Orleans. New Orleans easy thro- over yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. They, so two home teams and a road team. That's a tough. That's a that's a tough turnaround. Basically, but, we like the three teams that we think are going to the playoffs: Chicago, Dallas, and hundred percent. And there's pretty much a uh, good week for the Patriots to come back play the Jets. Funny thing I saw about the Jets too, and the couple wins they have this year, they score about forty points a game, no, and in their losses they score about thirteen points. Yeah, a game. they they've not had any offense to speak of um, in their losses. Like they lost thirteen six at Miami, and then if they got shellacked at home right. by Buffalo. Sam Darnold should be coming back. But I'll no, tell you, not necessarily. Oh, not necessarily. Not, no, he may not play. I oh, mean, they said they say it's better. Yep, but I think he's definitely fifty fifty at right. best. And Tannehill could be coming back this Sunday too, although. Not that the Colts-Dolphins is a game that we're going to necessarily recommend everyone watch, but I still like the Colts in that game as well. Getting back quickly to Seattle. Don't yep. sleep on the Seahawks. I thought that was a huge victory at home against Green Bay. At 5-5, five and five, I'm kind of feeling them a little bit like I'm feeling the Colts at 5-5 five and five, um, and, and, and and Dallas at 5-5. Five and five. I think So we Seahawks, could see wildcard teams like maybe the Panthers and the Seahawks. Yeah. Well, I mean. Well, we could have a little. There you go. They're head-to-head this week. I know. And that's why it's a huge game. Now, historically, Seattle has not gone into Carolina and played well. Um, and that's not, a long trip. That's a long not, trip. And they're not good on the road. But, um, but that's the thir- an interesting the, game. The Thursday turn, the the, the ten day rest for them may help be. overcome the Seattle to Charlotte hangover. And that ground game is is it's for a three headed monster now. I know getting Penny involved really seems to have breathed life back into their off. I mean, well, the emergence of Carson has been the the the, the untold storyline. Yeah. I don't even know who any of their receivers are outside of Baldwin and Lockett, yet still someone, some random guy, just like last night with the Rams, pops open every now and again. They're spry. Pete Carroll's into it. Russell Wilson's healthy. This is good. This I is... think it's six or seven games with at least 150 yards on the ground, the most since the 4 Falcons put together that kind of run. So, that's that's impressive. Yeah, they're, they've got their formula back. You I'll know? watch that. Obviously, I'll watch Pat's Jets because I'm an addict, and there's no methadone for Patriots football. What do you think about Steelers at Denver? This is going to be the revenge of the Fitz Toussaint fumble. A couple, of, remember ah, it, yes. back for Super Bowl Fifty, right? When they should have won that game without Antonio Brown. I tell you, if Juju Smith-Schuster isn't the best number two wide receiver in football since John Taylor or Ed McCaffrey, uh, I don't know who. It, I yeah. mean, that catch that guy made to set up that game-winning. I thought it was going to be a game tying. Right. right. That set up that game-winning drive was absurd. Tight coverage by Bouye up in the air, catches it, twists one eighty. And then braces the fall. Yeah, he's wow. He is truly uh, almost balletic. Um, he's, you know what? He's he's a far better, more polished receiver than I thought. I thought he was mm-hmm. going to be a guy who just kind of ran one particular route and and went deep. But uh. he, he can do a lot. Steelers' offense is on fire right now. But 
Denver's defense with a nice effort on the road, stealing a win from the San Carson. Yeah, that was the Chargers being Chargers a, being Chargers. Chargers gonna Charger. That was Philip Rivers. Don't tell, tell tell me he's an MVP candidate. He throws the ball on third down, takes two seconds off the clock when they need to kill as much time as possible and gives Denver plenty of time for that comeback. I'm saying it right now. I'm never picking the Chargers in anything. Again. Oh, and they missed an extra point too. Of course they did. Because that's the Charger thing to do. So they found a way to lose that game yeah. more than Denver found a way to win it. And then the last game, Green Bay at Minnesota, not not bad at all. Green Bay at Minnesota. I mean, right. because two truly desperate teams now. It it, it looks like it's going to be a wild card run, hopefully for one of them, but the loser pretty much is, is toast, especially if it's Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And Monday Night Football has a certain degree of watchability. Titans at Texans. Texans win that game could go on that improbable eight-game-in-a-row victory streak, and that'll kind of, that'll just about ice oh, yeah. the AFC South. Oh, absolutely. Because that would send the Titans to five eight. and six. That would be a three-game lead over them. And even if they only had a two-game lead over the Colts, I still feel better. Houston would be eight and three? And Yes, they would be eight and three. They went 0-3, oh and, and now they're seven and three. First team since 1925 Giants to follow an 0-3 oh start with seven. I remember the old 25 Giants. I, I think Gil Brandt might have, actually. We'll talk next time. <laughs> we'll have to ask him that next yeah. time. Wow, great Thanksgiving podcast, Don. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great games to talk about, some coming up. Two great guests in Gilbrandt and Tom Waddle. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your, your triple header. Um, Want to thank our guest producer, Chris Farrar, and Nick Stevens is my co-host for Don Banks. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Talk to you next week on the Cover 2 Podcast. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. Diving to the goal line. It's going. A touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.